Yeah. Which that's the moment you learn that okay, I guess that's his last name. Like we don't know his first name. Oh, I knew it was his last name the whole time. You're just an idiot. What's his first name? Chuck. Hey everybody. Welcome to another episode of I Finally Watched. This is David. And this is Alon. And I finally watched Interstellar. So Interstellar is a masterpiece. I <laughs> have not watched this movie since theaters. And when we were living in Atlanta, I actually like went back to Jacksonville, brought my copy up, and I was going to watch it up there and never got the chance. And I started watching it a couple months back, and I stopped, and I was like, we just need to do the movie because the beginning was so good and it reminded me. And I don't realize, I don't know if I realized when I first started watching it how much I liked it. Or if I just forgot, because it's been a while, I did give it a 10 on IMDb out of 10, but look I'm at also you. like... A, look at you. I'm a pretty easy judge, so I, I gave a lot of 10s that probably shouldn't have been 10s. I think this uh, people, who, people who have been listening to our podcast for a while know that about you. Yeah. I mean, these people put a lot of hard work into this, and The Great Wall was not as bad as oh, it, shut you know. Up. I think what, um, what wins what wins you over is visual effects. Um, and what this movie and The Great Wall have in common, apart from Matt Damon, is great visual effects. Dude, spoiler alert, bro. So, you know, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Spoiler you know, you know alert. Me, you know what this Matt made Damon. me think of um, was Sunshine, which Sunshine obviously had to have had such a much smaller budget the budget for this is estimated at like 165 on imdb um and i think the budget for sunshine was like 15 to 40 million something like that estimated so that it once again just kind of shows like for that budget how amazing that movie looked um but this has like if i you know i was thinking about this the other day it was sparked by this if I could choose one movie to like go watch in an IMAX right now, I think it would be this, just because of how impressive it would be on a huge screen. I'm really hoping 10 year anniversary, uh, 2024. You know, if they make that happen for me, that would be great. Um, but it's like it is. It's one of the most beautiful movies I've seen, and there's obviously reasons for that that we'll get into. I think the story is really good. Um, there is one part of it that I think probably loses a lot of people, and that's like the the books in the in the end in the last thirty. Um, I think Dude. that's like a point. Spoiler alert. Yeah, right. <laughs> but I think I think other than that, the story makes a lot of sense. It's it's one of his easier to follow, uh, at least for me. Um, was uh, was the Dark Knight hard to follow for you? Um, the thing about sunshine is that well first of all interstellar is much more believable that a bookshelf lies in the middle of uh, a black hole than a giant ass platform lies in the middle of the sun um but also you said 2014 is this movie really from 2014 because yes. like yeah knowing that now the visuals are amazing it i it's funny because like seven minutes into watching this, I was like, I, I was turning to my wife and I was like, you know, I know 
a lot of fun facts about this movie because I guess this movie has been around for for quite a long time and I I peruse the internet from time to time daily basis um and you just see a lot of just uh random websites and like YouTube shorts and stuff give like did you know this about Interstellar did you know this about Interstellar so like 7 minutes in I was like did you know that Christopher Nolan actually planted and grew all of those corn crops and like, you know, crazy stuff like that. And then, um, I am actually one of the most unfortunate ones who have had this, the ending of this movie spoiled for me as far as like, he was the ghost. Like that was, that was, I knew about that. Um, and I think as far as like, top movies that you do not want spoiled for you obviously like fight club and and sixth sense this i think i would have enjoyed it a lot more if um if i didn't know that if i I, you could also argue that maybe it doesn't matter and also maybe even if you didn't know it going in there's a lot that leads up to like hinting that it could be uh him but I'll never know that feeling. Uh, I even asked Taylor, who knew absolutely nothing about this movie, if she saw that coming, and she said no. And I was like, I don't know if I would or wouldn't, honestly. But I don't think there's uh, this, any. I don't. I don't think there's any way you possibly could have, because the the hints are so subtle, and they like also in retrospect, being how smart we're supposed to think Matthew McConaughey is. Like some of the stuff, for example, the ghost at one point says stay in Morse code. And then Matthew McConaughey does it when he already knows that that didn't work. Because <laughs> that was, all, well, I guess it was like, it was years ago. So mm-hmm. he maybe just yeah. forgot that he had done it. Um, well, see, that's the other thing. Is it years ago for him? Or is it just like a couple of weeks for him? Well, so from when he left, it took two years to get to Saturn. But he was in cryo, so he didn't feel that. Yeah, I mean, I guess. You see what it's I'm still saying? Been, it's still been a little bit of time. <laughs> I, yeah, but that, the the different... Yeah, well... Anyways, the 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 fact that he, like, Morse code... Okay, so this is, what, this is what you were saying, is that is he that smart because he already knew it was Morse code because he, he did it in the first place? And then the qu- next question to ask is binary right and then um is he so smart that he knew to do it in binary or was he given the idea to do it in binary because he knew his daughter was going to figure it out in binary anyways uh that's the that's kind of the whole like what is it called a time traveler's paradox sort of thing yeah i think the main one the main time traveler's paradox we'll get into more is like the future helping the past um how could how could the future help the past if you know the past needed the help to get to the future it's kind of like like the it's kind of them saying like the transcendence of time and space and gravity and everything like that like the beings who have put all this in place have access to like a fourth and fifth dimension that we don't have access to and yet he is the one with access right um, but then whoever put this kind of structure behind a little girl's bookshelf is so far into the future that 
I thought that part was cool. I did not know about that part. Uh, that part was cool where there's like, he's just like a blip in like, a, a forever, like an infinite time sphere. Well, it's a, te- it's a tesseract know. is what it is, right? Which is funny because you hear, we've heard so much of that from uh, the Avengers. Avengers, That yeah. when you hear from this, you're like, you don't realize it's like a real scientific thing, um, concept. What? I think there's there's two things though. Like so, I read a theory that like when he says, "Oh, they didn't help us; we helped ourselves." He's almost saying that like the future us was able to control gravity and time and send me back here. But in order for the future them to exist, right? They would right. They would have had to survive. Which I guess you could say Anne Hathaway's character is going to survive no matter what. So maybe then they would be the future they, and then, you know, but it, once again, it just creates these timelines. I mean, the other big miss in this movie is the Anne Hathaway, Matthew McConaughey, like sex scene we didn't get in like zero gravity, you know, like oh, that's, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They, they did shake hands though, you know? So that's something. Well, so this was originally <laughs> a, um, a Steven Spielberg movie that was supposed to come out in like the mid two thousands. Mm-hmm. And they were going to make it more explicit that they were going to end up. To, I think they were going to have like not a sex scene, but like some moments before they left each other. And so then, you know, his going back to her, like obviously meant more. But I got, you know, Wolf is dead. All of the people he knew are dead. Like, you know, they're going to make some babies. <laughs> right. Help repopulate. Well, that's what I was saying to Taylor is that I was like, you know, I it's implied that he goes and finds her. And then I made a joke about them being intimate together, much like you did now. And she was like, but their relationship wasn't really like that during the whole movie. So what makes you think that it would end up like that? And I was like, are you kidding? He, their relationship is the only relationship that he knows. Like, forget romantic or sexual relationship. It's like shared experience. It's like he, they are the, okay. She is the closest thing to him right now to any sort of relationship he has in the entire universe. Of course they're going to get together. Unless Tars had like a port of some kind. <laughs> oh, for, for her? No, Tars is gone. No, Tars is... He got saved. He ends up in the end. Oh, yeah, like, he, uh... he rebuilt. He rebuilt. That's another thing. Uh, we'll, we'll get into it closer. We talk about the end, but I guess we should start from the beginning um which in a that's christopher a good nolan movie start. is the end <laughs> yeah, exactly i was like maybe maybe we talk about the end and work our way backwards that would be interesting to do it this way but um we get introduced well the first thing we we have like a series of interviews of um older folks that we actually don't know that it's that far from the future but it is and i believe the first woman we actually see is the 102 year old um murph murph right yeah well so i read the timeline online she is 89 um if you do all the math together well and apparently and i didn't pick up this on either pick up on this either so the lazarus mission leaves the year she's born so that her life and the lazarus mission are like inextricably linked right. where like when okay. she's nine or ten is when or when she's ten that's when her dad leaves 
and like so all the clock like yeah okay i thought i thought the lazarus missions were up there for 12 years before he leaves but there were 12 of them okay okay see that makes sense 10 because they were on that one planet for like 45 50 minutes and then like a whole year goes by um whole 10 years go by um but yeah okay that makes more sense so that's cool and then we get introduced to like the rest of his family we um we're like in in quote-unquote present time which is i guess a little bit future us like the year 2035 39 something like that well i read that jonathan lithgow his character is a millennial so you can do the math from there so it's like 2050 60 26 yeah i guess somewhere in there um well i'm a millennial so yeah i mean 40 yeah 40 to 50 20 40 to 40 50 one thing that's cool so i didn't like those interviews in the beginning um of the like the older people and then i read that those people are actually real life people that went through the dust bowl and they were in a ken's a ken burns documentary about the dust bowl and Nolan asked him if he could use that footage for this because it's, you know, it's basically the same thing. Uh, I was like, Oh, that's really cool. And I do like in the end how you basically see all of these video screens everywhere. Like their house is a museum. Yeah. Like all of them are just kind of sitting up that part. It was cool to me. But in the beginning I was like, I don't need to hear these people talk. <laughs> but, um, but what did you think of them? Like intermittently being thrown into like, some middle of the movie to just kind of drive the point but by the time i you know by the time you keep seeing him i was fine with it i just in the beginning i was like this is like an odd choice and even seeing it the second time you know years later i was like it's a little weird for me but it was fine and as you get used to it it's it's whatever it's Um, it's so short in the beginning of the movie because then we're introduced to like like i said the present year of 2060 20 Let's say 2055. And we meet Matthew McConaughey's character. We meet Murph. Um, I love the very first line of the movie is he must have like some had like a PTSD from his flights when he uh, drove uh, piloted for NASA. And uh, he I guess he screamed in the middle of the night or something. So she comes running to his room and she's like, oh, I thought you were my ghost. Yeah. It's so good. No, it is. No, yeah, absolutely. And what's what's interesting too is like, you know, this this role is right in like the thick of the reconnaissance, right? Right. Right. Where people started taking him like more seriously, seriously as an actor. Um, and Nolan said that he saw him in Mud, which I don't know. Have you seen Mud? I haven't, but I really want to. Yeah, Mud's really good. He's obviously great in it. Um, Dallas Buyers Club. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember the timeline on it. And then obviously, like the big one is um, True Detective, right? Which is is television, but it's like, you know, considered by m- like most to be, you know, one of the greatest television shows. So he does uh, Lincoln Lawyer. <laughs> Lincoln Lawyer, I think, is actually probably the start of it, right? Because before Lincoln Lawyer, he had done Two for the Money, Failure to Launch, We Are Marshall, Gold Fool's Rush. Gold, yeah, oh, Fool's, yeah, Gold, Fool's Gold, Tropic Thunder, Surfer Dude, and Ghost of Girlfriends Past in 2009, 
which I liked Ghost of Girlfriend's Past. I but... like Ghost of Girlfriend Past. You know, when did a, a Time to Kill fall into this? Because uh, it was ninety six. That's, that's way before that's this. A, I know, but that's a serious role. Like he was he was taken as a serious actor back back then, and then yeah, some rom com. In between this and that, you know, he U five seven one, which was in two thousand, is probably like the last one of the last serious roles. Oh, he does Frailty and Reign of Fire, but then he does How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days, Sahara, Two for the Money, and then that starts. The I like Sahara. One. I really like Sahara. What do you think Dude, of Sahara? I never saw Sahara. Oh well, you know what that but, means. Um, hold on, but he does Lincoln, Law- Lincoln Lawyer, Bernie, which I haven't seen, but then Killer Joe. Mud, Magic Mike, Dallas Buyers Club, Wolf of Wall Street, True Detective, Interstellar. Yeah. And he's like the fucking man now. And he's doing like, those are just all so good. Um, But then he does the Dark Tower after that, which, you know. Right. We all know. We don't don't talk about it. The Gentleman, though, 2019, that is, um, he's right back to, to form. Have you seen it? I haven't seen it. I've heard really good things about it. The Gentleman's fucking awesome. Okay. You should watch The Gentleman cool. tonight if you can. Um, but so but it's just funny that the, like Mud, which is such a different, it's a fucking grounded Mississippi movie gets him interstellar. Um, it's just really funny to me. That's the, that's the way a lot of things work. There's this one movie where it's like a bunch of little kids steal a cop car from a dirty cop played by Kevin Bacon. And I think it's um, uh, the guy who got hired to do all three Tom Holland Spider-Mans and I think Kevin Feige saw that and it's a super grounded movie it's just like the cast is like these four kids and or three kids and Kevin Bacon steal a cop car and um super grounded right probably super low budget and he saw that and he was like he's our guy for Spider-Man so yeah I think if you can pull off something with no money then people trust you to pull off something I mean it better be fucking great for with like you know 10 20 million dollars budget by the way the movie mud one of the boys in it is in a little show that you and I like called justified justified there is the connection but I was saying all that to bring it back that like the beginning of this movie just establishes I get, he's an engineer but he is all about like he is a man of science right and which is funny though because he's a man of science but then when he's around Anne Hathaway and these and um, these other people he's like the flyboy that they just is the pilot and they think right. of him as like an idiot but it with everyone else he's like this intelligent you know scientific method. Uh, you know, if you're going to prove your ghost, you, you got to prove it. Um, and it's it's just like that's very well established. But like this beginning, it, it's 43 minutes before we get to space. And like this beginning, it is a lot of exposition, but it's also just so interesting to see this world he painted that like it doesn't get boring. No, not at all. I mean, I... I, I, I... It was really fun watching it with Taylor because she had absolutely zero idea what this film was about. Like, she didn't know. She was like, is it about aliens? I don't know. And so when we reached that 45-minute mark uh, where it was just like, we're in the farm and now we're in space, I was like, like, I I, I don't know, just to see her her emotional journey to be like, oh, now we're here now. It was just really cool because the the way it leads to like them finding the coordinates and then um talking to dr uh banner right and uh brand 
Uh, right. Not the not the Hulk. Um, <laughs> Michael Caine is the Hulk. Uh, yeah. So the, I'm gonna put the thing... my fist right through your face. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't like me when I get angry. What the fuck was that? Mine was terrible, but what was yours? I was trying to beat you in worst accent, and I think I won. Um, <laughs> jolly good, cheerio. Hulk smash now. So this is the first time we see <laughs> Timothy Chalamet, which... It's about the last time we see Timothy Chalamet, too. Well, for a couple of years until what? I think... Ladybird is like when I saw him again and I didn't you know I didn't remember him being in this and apparently he was like upset how little he was in the movie and and also I felt very incomplete with his character too right you have this whole connection between Matthew McConaughey um his character and his daughter Murph but when he's leaving it's very emotional with his daughter but then it's just like one hug good luck dad sort of thing with uh tom his his son and i guess that's like a lot of um resentment that that throughout the movie tom has with his dad but then you just like at the end it's only him and murph and tom i guess is just dead yeah i mean well he would have been at least three years old or so not you know early 90s to mid 90s um oh no he was 15 and she was 10 so he would have been 94 so i mean you know they could have put him in cryo sleep he he didn't care to see his dad he didn't give a fuck what's funny is like yeah it's like the total switch right because he was okay with his dad leaving he understood it and he was like gonna you know take charge and then you know the the switch to where murph became okay with it but the the things i was talking about like that in the movie the cool details one the corn everywhere that's like, you know, later on in the movie, that's all they're eating when, when Casey Affleck and Jessica Chastain take over the roles. Um, you know, this being like the last year of Okra Ever and them talking about the one farmer who was an idiot and should have switched to corn like everyone else did. Um, right. The chasing the drone scene, the like the Indian drone was so yeah, cool. That was cool. That was cool. I didn't understand what was happening at first. I kind of like that about this movie is that when things are happening, things are in the action of happening and then when kind of the the i don't don't know how to say this the cadence of the film catches up with the action then is explained to us to the audience but it's not like it doesn't feel heavy exposition wise where like as things are happening it's then being like simultaneously explained to us i i really like that sort of pacing and i think that's a part of it that makes this movie Yes, it's three hours long, but it does not feel three hours long. Right, right, yeah. I mean, and if you you could cut down the exposition to get, it's like two hours and 50 minutes. You could probably cut down of 20 minutes of exposition, but it's a lesser movie. Like, the way this explains everything, all of it makes sense. It's all done pretty pretty quickly, but it's all necessary because you're setting up a world that is... It's It looks like our world, but it's not our world. The only time... <laughs> right. The only time the exposition for me got a little too much was when they were doing that kind of montage thing that Christopher Nolan likes to do is like, you know, it's like in uh, Batman Begins when he's like meeting with Lucius Fox and he's like gathering all the equipment and stuff for spelunking. Um, 
and it's like that cut back and forth of like he's doing it he's talking about it he's doing it he's talking about it. we get that with michael kane and like revealing that it's nasa and explaining to him about like the whole ship thing where we get like you know we we talk about it and then we see it and then we talk about it and we see it so that was kind of montagey but i feel like for something this like huge concept we needed some way to like you know to have that information um revealed to us no no absolutely i i agree that and i also thought like the one thing we haven't touched on yet but the music in this it's obviously it's hans zimmer again it's so much different than a lot of his other movies and it's also like so perfect like in each scene like the drone scene the music was beautiful and like as they're obviously traveling through space the like the sentimental moments in the end had me blubbering as i tend to do in movies with like good scores and like very uplifting moments dude at the end i was just a tear puddle um the thing that i stuck with the the most though in the beginning of this is the school uh well first john jonathan lithgow is like hey the teacher's single so you know do your job to repopulate the uh, the earth um but when he, he's yelling at them, not yelling, but he was getting mad because they're like, oh, Tom's just going to be a farmer because he's not doing good enough. Um, but then, like, the lunar landing being fake thing was just, like, the first time I saw it and even this time, I'm just like, that's such a fucking good detail. And, like, with all the fake news that there is now, like, the fact that people, like, would, you know, maybe in 2014, it was like, why are, people aren't going to believe that. Now I'm like... They absolutely would believe that if you just created a textbook. You, you know what's, you know what's crazy too is that the reason they're lying about the moon landing is insane in this movie, where it's because it's trying to teach kids at an at a young age, right, to like veer them towards, um, being conservative, not politically, but like rationally with their food, with their equipment, with their resources, um. And so if they say, oh, we just like conservatively under budget film the moon landing in the back lot of a Hollywood studio instead of spending millions and hundreds and millions and billions of dollars in developing, um, you know, to go up into space. And then I love just quickly how they tied like, yeah, that's how we bankrupt the Soviet Union and then trick them into blah, blah, blah. And um well, that's what, the, up, that's what the conspiracy theorists believe. That no, 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 I get that. I get that. But you could tell that the both the teacher and the principal know that's a bunch of shit. And I don't. I, don't, I think the, the principal may have. Um, the teacher seemed so? to believe it. No, it, it felt like they knew it was a bunch of bullshit. But they also knew how important it was to like veer kids in that mindset to to like, you know for the good of humanity. Um, but everyone has their excuse. You know, everyone justifies themselves for, for whatever. So I thought that was cool. Backing up a little bit, my favorite line throughout the entire movie is at this part where he goes, how long is your inseam? How long is your waistline? And it's funny how it takes two numbers to measure your ass, but only one number to measure the uh, my child's future. No, that's fucking great. The other one right after that is... Um... Well, one, the MRI machine line about, like, one of those stupid tools used to be an MRI machine, and if we still had those, it'd be my wife having to deal with this instead of me. She's a lot more yep. patient. And he's like, 
know, there's a baseball game with candy and shit. I think I'll take her to that. Like, that's going to be her punishment. And when he walks out, he's like, I got you suspended. <laughs> Which I don't even get how that happens, but that's just a small detail. Um, yeah, then we have the baseball game. Um, which which is only there to kind of lead us to the uh, the giant dust storm that's happening. Well, right? the cool the cool detail about that though is that it's the actual New York Yankees. That's the actual New York Yankees. It's yeah. There's a sign that says "Home of the World Famous New York Yankees." Cool. I like that. But, yeah. No, it's such a cool detail. I do wonder where the. Like, is this movie supposed to take place in, like, upstate New York, or have the Yankees moved to Kansas? (laughs) Uh, No, that's how I took it. That's how I took that this movie was in New York. Um, Yeah, that, like, that was such a cool detail. And then they start, you know, the dust gets left, and they, like, find the coordinates for NASA. What's funny is, like, they find the coordinates for NASA in, what, binary, they say? Right. And it's funny later when you see uh matthew mcconaughey doing that he's like oh yeah this is what happened and he like does the binary with his arm and you're like he's like oh yeah i remember this happened right like as he's doing he's like oh yeah i'm supposed to do this i'm the one that did this and he's like well Well, i'm the one since we're talking about that scene the fact that he knows that he writes stay and then he knows that murph is going to code it from morse to, to the word stay and he's like use that to make me stay right and then she even says in the beginning of the movie it's like it says stay the ghost says stay you should stay and of course he doesn't stay and then he's getting frustrated with himself the fact that he doesn't stay and it's weird that that happened i mean it's purposeful that that happens first in his mind right because then he realizes that he has to go And that's when he realizes that he has to do the binary for the coordinates. Because at that point, if he really wanted him to stay, he wouldn't do the binary. But he has to come to that, like, character realization arc that he's the one doing it. So he has to have the, like, the remorsefulness of doing it. And then he has to have the, you know, actual action of doing it. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, and what's funny too is I was getting confused as you were talking because I'm I'm very confident in the movie that he does the stay in Morse code first and then does the binary coordinates next, right? But in the movie, the binary coordinates happens before yes. the stay in Morse code. Yes. Obviously. Right. Um, but yeah, that whole that whole part of it, it's it's really cool. But that's exactly what I'm saying. It's reverse for him, but it has to be that way because it doesn't make sense for him to be like, oh, I'm going to give them the coordinates and then I'm going to really regret leaving, right? Yeah. So, like, we've already talked all over this, but they follow the coordinates and they basically go to a military base. It says NORAD, which the only other time I've heard of NORAD is um, Independence Day. Um the the reveal though that this is NASA is very funny. Like he's freaking out and they're kind of just all laughing and he like covers Murph's ears and he's like, I just I just want to make sure you're not gonna harm my daughter. And they're like, We're, Do you even know who we are? We're fucking NASA. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. It's cool. And then they just open up this like garage and it's just a you know ten story shuttle. You know it's funny. I didn't look closely at the pictures, but I wonder. And I ha- I should have done it this time, but. Can you see uh, 
I wonder if you can see Matt Damon in one of the 12 astronauts. Okay, so I also had that part spoiled for me, knowing that that uh, he's bad. And I knew it was Matt Damon. So, and I knew, I didn't, I wasn't 100% sure that they were referring to his character because I didn't know his character's name. But I was like, I bet you they're referring to his character. So I tried looking to, I even paused it and everything. And you can't. It's so far away and it's so out of focus, it's impossible. But I mean, it's a white guy. So you can just assume that the prop master did his like job and put Matt Damon's photo in there. I mean, it looked like it was a lot of white people that got sent on that mission. (laughs) It was so secretive that he went uncredited. And I'm pretty sure he didn't even get paid until way after because he didn't want even like the pay stub to get out or anything like that. Well, I did. Yeah. And I read that like there was like one report Variety said he had like a role in the movie. But I'll tell you this. Seeing this in the theater, it was the biggest fucking surprise that Matt Damon was in this. And I saw this movie... I want to say opening night because at this time I would go to stuff like midnight uh, when it opened on Thursdays. Did this come after The Martian? It came the year before. And I also, I had to, um, I started watching The Martian as like a uh, a little, uh, it's an aperitif after a meal, like a little, like a little, like to get the taste out of my mouth of, uh, of Matt Damon being a piece of shit. I put on The Martian for me and Lincoln. Um, and I was like, there's nothing bad in The Martian, but then... I think that's it, called it, a, oh. a palate cleanser, right? There we go. I was like, there's nothing bad in The Martian. He's three. He can't watch The Goonies, but he can watch The Martian. And it opens with the surgery scene and like, it's just like staring at it with his hands on his face. I was like, I was like, he's going to be okay, bud. He'll be okay. I was like, why is this scene lasting so long? <laughs> Speed it up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, we didn't finish the movie. Oh, okay. But you finished Homeward Bound. Uh, yes. So they basically talk him into going on this mission and like knowing how this ends and knowing or knowing the mindset of Michael Caine after this. I'm like, man, you're such a fucking dick. Like, was there no other pilot that could have done this? Like, obviously, yes, he is the best. And I guess in retrospect, if you had sent anyone else, like probably the human population would not have been saved. So well, it's not it's not even him, right? It's like what comes first, the chicken or the egg? It's 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 manifest destiny. It's Murphy's law, right? It's that whole thing. It's Murphy's law where what will happen could or what could happen will happen. And the fact that it's not really him because sure, he could have totally gotten, you know, anyone to pilot the thing out there, right? They had 12 other people pilot the thing out there. But the thing is is that no other guy had a daughter that had the potential intelligence as Murph, and also the future people didn't build a tesseract behind the bookshelf of anyone else's daughter. So there you go. Well, and as he says, like we're helping our, you know, the art we're we didn't send us like our they didn't send us we sent us like he sent himself, you know. So yeah, I mean we can fucking go in circles about this. So let's move on. But. Um, <laughs> No, but I, I see what you're saying because it, from the from the perspective of Michael Caine, knowing that Plan A was never happening and it was always Plan B, it's a really dick move to send anyone out there that doesn't know that fact, right? Well, and he purposely sent people with no attachments, and then this guy has two children that you're like you're never going to see again. But I'm not going to tell you that. That's right. Well, that's a dick move. 
It's a huge yeah. Yeah. But exactly. he, he ended up he ended up being right. And and Tom kind of grew up to be a piece of shit, so it's like, you know, what whatever. Um did he grow up to be a piece of shit because of the lack of a father figure? Hmm? That's probably. Honestly, although he okay. seemed to be a pretty dude, the one line from Jessica Chastain is like you're just going to watch another one of your kids dives like holy fuck. <laughs> yeah, that was Yeah. I also didn't I realize the most... until the very I didn't realize till the very end of the movie that Cooper was his last name. <laughs> no, yeah, I, yeah. Um, so, anyways, we we have, um, well, okay, so we're introduced to Anne Hathaway, and then Anne Hathaway is Michael Caine's daughter, but she doesn't have an accent, but that's fine, I guess. Um, and uh. uh yeah, there's, there's. We also get introduced to the other astronauts that are going with him on the trip, but we don't know, I guess, at that point that that's the other. Those are the other members of the crew. No, yeah, we don't. Yeah, they just show up, and I love this. Right, he's driving away from his house, eyes filled with tears. You have the voiceover, the countdown, and then you cut to them already taking off in the rocket. Because why waste time? With, like, meeting the members of the crew and packing up to go. Like, just get to the fucking thing, you know? Um, well, another, so that was another great. Po- another point where they do that is um, Michael Caine brings back the truck, and he's like, oh, maybe I could light a spark in Murph. And I love John Lithgow's line. Well, well, she's making idiots of her teachers. She can do that for you, too. Um, but Jonathan Lithgow says, oh, well, where are they? Are he, uh, and he's like, oh, you, we won't hear again from them until they're, they reach Saturn. And then in space we see saturn right like yeah and they're already coming out of they're they're already out of cryo because the last time we left them they were going into it and now they're coming out of it and and another cool transition is when i think it's murph as jessica chastain is doing the recording to her father then we actually like zoom in onto the screen and now we're in like her perspective um and then we follow their story a bit so that whole transition from like uh switching i guess you could even say kind of switches main characters there for a second from matthew mcconaughey to her um is done really well and like seamlessly yeah and that's the first time we see her too um the last i wanted this line i thought was really great and it's also ties into the whole point of the movie but um uh when they're about to take off uh matthew or after they've taken off matthew mcconaughey says like once you're a parent you're the ghost of your children's future Right, which is like I think a, it's like just a really cool line. Um, Do you think they're they're hammering the fact that he's a goat? He's the ghost too hard at this point? Because I was like, I mean, I didn't get it. Maybe okay, you didn't get it. Maybe um, you're supposed to lead like maybe the mother was the one leading them to it the entire time because she died. She's a ghost. Well, so I had no remembrance after Matt Damon turns on them. I did not remember how this movie ended. And so I was like, maybe the ghost isn't telling him to stay. He's telling Murph to stay. Like, the way to save humanity is to not leave. But that's stupid. That's what I thought, too. And that's dumb. (laughs) I thought to myself, I was like, that doesn't make a shit of sense. So... Uh, we're in space. The beginning is so cool how they just, like, the the thought to make everything silent and all you hear is, like, the breathing and the talking of them, but it's just, like, no music, no nothing is so smart and so cool. 
I love it. I mean, it might be just like a little less work for them, but it it's really good. I also the the design of the ship is really cool. Um, and like the like just seeing it, like we see it at a lot of different points. But the design of the ship and then the little rovers that go down are are all really cool. And then we get the "Do Not Go Gentle Into the Night," read by Michael Caine. Uh, Rage Against the Dying of the Light is, you know, cheesy maybe, but I loved it. The thing about that is, from the perspective, perspective or the the, I guess it is perspective, from when he reads it, in the beginning, before we know about his kind of like his evil doings, and then. To hear it again once we know of his trickery, it gives such a different meaning every time we hear it. Um, I thought that, and and not a lot of like poetry can do that. And that one was chosen specifically. I felt like because reading it after those, you know, that realization about his character impacts you a different way. I felt like. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I love Tars in this. I love the, like, my humor is at a, uh, like, what was humor was at 100, honesty was at 90. And he's like, 90? He's like, yeah, uh, 100 doesn't really work out really great with humans. So um, right after this, we get the Dr. Man is the greatest of us speech. He convinced the others to follow. And then she talks, like, for a second about Wolf. And, like, you can see in McConaughey's eyes, and then he goes to Tars, he's like, okay, what's up with her and Wolf? Like, I know something's up. And I was like, I don't get how you got that from that. Like, I don't think this gave away anything. <laughs> There's a, actually a, a quite a few scenes that the way the characters get to the realization, like an epiphany of something is unbelievable to me. Um, that being one of them. And the other one being very close to the end. Uh, we can talk about it when we get there. But I'll just say it now. It's when Jessica Chastain realizes it's her dad behind the bookshelves. I'm absolutely, like, absolutely. No. Yeah. How? I was like, what? No, no. How? No way. No. Like, no yep. way in a million years. Devil's advocate on that, though. I think she just, she has, even though she hates her dad and is putting on this, like, this armor of being mad at him i think in the end she always wants to love him again right she wants him to come home so that he could have kept his promise and i think you could almost make the argument that she just she was convincing herself right and then it sort of all went into place but i do agree i was like that is that is paper thin that connection she just made right there the the line where tars is like how are you going to communicate this to her? It's, it's too much information. And he comes to the realization it's the watch. And I, I guess he's lucky that she left the watch in a reaching distance of his little whatever the fuck Tesseract thing it is. Um, so he puts the whole the whole thing in binary in the Morse code in the watch. Whatever. Uh, Morse code in the watch, I think. Okay. The... Um, the line where he goes, how do you know she's going to take the watch? And he goes, because I gave it to her. I was like, oh, Jesus, here comes the tears. Well, and then he does the whole line about love. 
You know, it's really funny to me too. Uh, I just want to say it now is like the whole choosing man's planet over wolf's planet. And she <laughs> was completely fucking right the entire time. Yeah. There's so much at like the end of the movie and the way time works that we're, this is, this is going to take forever, but I'm really excited to talk about it. Um, so the Tars, uh, t- I was like, I made this note. I was like, it just sounds like a dude in the robot costume. And it turned out that like the guy who who played the robot was just like operating, like moving around the robot. He was like with the robot and they like digitally removed him. So it was like, that's why it sounded that way. Do you know who he is? I do. So his name is Bill Irwin. I know him from Rachel getting married. Um, and I know him. From How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because he plays Cindy Lou Who's father, Lou Lou Who. Lou Lou Who. Yeah. Um, one really cool detail about this is the wormhole is purposely placed near Saturn as like an homage to 2001 A Space Odyssey, which we are going to do next. I'm super fucking excited for. Um, I'm super excited th- like, for it, too, especially coming off of this film. Oh, my God. And and it, I really want to compare which one's more of a mindfuck. Well, I think it's going to be Kubrick's. So, but I um even not not having seen that movie but seeing like stills and little, you know, gifs and whatever of 2001 a Space Odyssey, the the fucking baby floating and all that, like <laughs> I could tell <laughs> how much this movie takes from that and like owes to that. And so oh, I um 100%. 100%. And then reading afterwards that, yeah, like, the biggest influence on this movie is 2001 A Space Odyssey. So I was like, we have to fucking do that next. Um, you know, the robot case is voiced by Josh Stewart, which I I never can know his name. And I had to look it up, obviously. But he's in, like, Criminal Minds. I think he's in Heroes. He was in um, The Punisher with John Berthnall. Um He's a great actor. But hearing his voice he has such a distinct voice but he always plays the villain and so i was like always suspicious of case watching this movie um like the whole the whole time i'm like is case gonna be bad um but no case is also great he just doesn't have as much screen time as tars oh yeah tars is tars is the best of us robots so um (laughs) But so apparently 2001 A Space Odyssey was originally supposed to take place near Saturn, but the technology at the time couldn't replicate the rings, and so they switched it to Jupiter. Um, the, the Saturn visual, especially how tiny the ship is next to it, like the scale is just like, that's what I want to see in a, in a fucking big screen theater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. It's amazing. It's, it's incredible. Um, I thought there was going to be a reveal at the end of the movie when you find out, you know, he's the one responsible for the bookshelves and the dust in her room. He's also the one who shook Anne Hathaway's hand and everything of the sort. I thought there was going to be some sort of reveal that he was the one who was also the one who put the wormhole in next to Saturn. But I was like, how? But I guess you're just supposed to take the fact that the future people did that, right? Yeah, that's why the the argument that the I think I think there are two ways you could see it. The future people, right? But I don't think that one makes sense. But this does have like sort of a spiritual there's like an omniscient being that's helping them out. That's like the, that's the explanation that NASA uses. 
And mm-hmm. I think that one makes a lot more sense, especially when you the time space paradoxes okay. that w- would be created about the future people. A hundred percent. The way I took it is remember when they were explaining about how these beings they call them the they, right? They. Yeah. They have a, a transcendence of the fifth dimension that we have yet to understand. And the fact that Matthew McConaughey at the end of the movie had access to that fifth dimension where it's like the controller of gravity and time and space and all things good, right? Um, my takeaway from it was that as because he saved the, the, uh, the humanity, because he saved humanity and everything was moving towards this like super technology jump that humans would eventually evolve into the fifth dimension beings and so it's basically like it's it's not even a being but it's just kind of like everywhere around us is already the future people who aren't even people they're like almost it's almost like the humanity uh guy i don't know why i keep saying the humanity but it's almost like humanity has evolved to not even need bodies anymore that's how i took it so yes i can see it that way but i still think that the paradoxes are too much for me to get around so i'm just gonna go omniscient being fair okay because how could they exist how could they have been created how could they have evolved if we didn't save in the past right because there's no such thing as time time is relative (laughs) she can't just say that it didn't mean anything (laughs) moving on so uh rom's thing about like there's just millimeters of steel or aluminum or whatever and then infinite space is like what I think every time I'm on an airplane and I'm just like, I have to like remove <laughs> those thoughts from my head and just be like, hey, you know, this thing works. So let's just keep going. But I love Did, um, uh, Matthew McConaughey's explanation about uh, people on the boats don't or yachters, yachtmen. Yeah. The yachtsmen don't know how to swim, but yet, you know, they go. Yeah. And he's like, we're explorers, Rom. And I was like, oh, that's so it's just like we're explorers it's just like such a fun it's kind of like moana we're voyagers um right but then he hands he hands over his headphones and he's just listening to like crickets like the outdoors no it's thunder and, like, it's yeah, well, yeah yeah it's it was yeah but in the beginning it's the crickets and then it moves into the thunder and the thunder directly like plays right into them going in the wormhole like it's like one continuous sound like developing into that is like so many genius touches in this movie so now we got to talk about their journey into the wormhole, which just made me nervous for for them because I was like, no way in hell would you ever like how how do you approach it, and how do you know it's not just gonna tear you apart, right? Well, the first twelve would probably have been more scared, right? But these people <laughs> at least have like the thought of like this worked before. So this time they think, oh, it'll work again. But yeah, those first people that went through, you're just like, like you have to send some like borderline suicidal people or just people who are like, oh, whatever. I've lived a good life. I'll just, I'll go. I guess you could send in probes that like emit a transmission to be like, okay, it didn't like shred their ship 
from you know limb to limb so you guys would be okay right but it's such like um it's such an unknown that it's like okay maybe the ship is okay but does it just like deplete matter does it like organic matter does it just like incinerate you like ah dude i don't know but they get pulled in and now they're in a different galaxy yeah and then the handshake thing which you find out later was matthew mcconaughey coming back you know on the return trip um and then we go directly to miller's planet uh i love the explanation beforehand about it's too close to the black hole and like Doyle and uh, Brand are just like, oh, we just have to go. And he's and fucking McConaughey, who's still like, I have to get back home, is like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's figure out a way to do this to where we're not just wasting a bunch of fucking time. And, you know, he go- talks about going around, and he's like, every... So this is like the coolest detail in the movie. It's the detail that gets probably put in all those YouTube videos that you watched or saw. But, like, one hour on that planet is seven years on Earth, which means that one and a half seconds on that planet is a day. And so when they get down to the planet, there's a clock ticking, and it ticks every one and a half seconds. So every time that clock ticks, a day has passed on Earth. That's just, like, such a fucking cool detail, like, of the movie. I actually never have heard that one, and that is a really cool detail. It's, like, and now... If I you heard, I heard watch the watch it, ticking, but I thought that was just, like, you know metaphorically time is passing but yeah that's cool um and just i love like how quickly mcconaughey goes down to the planet and they're like should we break more he's like nah no time is money and they're they're only on that planet for maybe 10 minutes of movie but it turns out they've been on there for like three hours uh in order for the the math to make sense for how much time they spent okay so take it this way right 23 years has passed for for rom right right and but does time move the same for him than it would for for on earth has 23 years passed oh it does okay so it doesn't matter how close you are it's just like if you're if you're in this bubble then that's if you're outside this bubble everything's the same if you're inside this bubble it's different right yeah that's time is relative which was what you're saying earlier (laughs) shut up you can't use it against me um okay cool so then 23 years has passed so that makes it that and every every hour is seven years you said yeah so someone on the internet did the math and it was three hours and 17 minutes that they would have been probably like once but what doesn't make sense is that when they asked tars about it he's like oh 45 to 45 minutes to an hour but it's like is that how much time they wasted i guess well that's wasted but also flying once you know they went to the very outside of the planet and so once you start the flight in is part of that time that's taking too long too. I guess, but I felt like he got there pretty fast. I, you know what I think is is we're missing for the allotted time is we have absolutely no understanding of how much time it took for those engines to unclog. And I think them landing, getting out, finding out that the stuff is destroyed, and then losing, um, oh, what's his name? Uh, Doyle Doyle losing Doyle I think that that all took maybe like in real time 10 20 minutes but then waiting for the engines to un um, uh, flood is the three hours that they probably had to wait yeah um, 
I also, when they, they land on the planet, they're like 200 meters from the thing. I was like, why don't you fly 200 meters over <laughs> to like get over to it? Um, the biggest mind fuck for me, obviously, is when they get back to Rom and he's he's aged and he's like, I waited for you for 23 years. I was like, this is so sad. Can you imagine waiting alone for 23 years? Um, and to not even fucking solve the gravity equation. God, man, what a lame-o. But also, well, but it's also... The, it's, the, it's the same thought of, like, if you think about how long was, um, Bill Murray trapped in Groundhog's Day? Like, how many times did he relive that day? He was in, like, a never-ending nightmare. I mean, he learned how to play the piano. He, like, mastered all these things. He was in there for... It could have been decades. <laughs> yeah, I guess, but at least he had people to talk to, and sure, maybe it's a repeated conversation every day. But it beats, you know, being alone. He could have gone into cryo sleep, but he, he did chose some. not. Did he, he? Did some? Yeah, he okay. did some. He wasn't the whole twenty-three years, but you know, yeah, yeah, he looks like a like a de- destroyed man. You know, which is it's kind of good. He blows up later, right? Like, what kind of life could he lead? Really, he was older. <laughs> wow. Um, the the saddest part is just realizing that how much time they lost um yeah i I do want to get back to the planet because when she goes down there and she's like oh the rest is towards the mountain and then it goes to matthew mcconaughey he's just like that's not a mountain and he's like that wave is leaving us and then he turns around and you just see the wall of water and why anne hathaway needs to get like the black box from this this planet is not in you can't inhabit this planet Dude, this is going to so be the pissed. one. When they went to fucking Dr. Man's planet, I was like, dude, five seconds and I can tell you that planet is uninhabitable. I'm this like, ain't you it, don't. Chief. This, this ain't it. Let's move on. <laughs> Let's move on, dude. Um, Yeah. Uh, so, so, oh, I. Here's the thing for me, and I'm just going to talk about Dr. Man real second. I knew he was evil and I knew he was played by Matt Damon. But the second, the second that Dr. Man was like, no, 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 don't touch my robot. I was like, nah, fucking something's up. Like, come on, get your head out of your asses, you know? Yeah, I mean, I was trying to think of it in, like, they don't, they think he's a good guy. Um, I was like, I could see you just, like, oh, whatever, being confused by him. Um, Doyle, you know, Anne Hathaway isn't responsible for Doyle dying. Doyle had plenty of time to get on the ship, right? He like Oh, no, 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 100%. That's Doyle's own fault. He just, like, meandered around and started, like, looking in awe at the wave. I'm like, you, you've been on Earth. You, you know what water looks like. Come on. So there is this theory of, like, did Doyle... Some people are like, oh, you know, Doyle may not have died, right? Because he's in his suit. And, like, you know, it's just the water throwing him. I was like, first of all, like, that wave is thousands of feet tall so yeah he's clearly dead but someone pointed out like if he wasn't dead and had just been knocked out that he's like still on that planet like we see him afterwards right they're like he's still on that planet he actually could be rescued because it's it'll just be a couple minutes like while everything else is happening they're like that's if he is alive someone could go save him but no one's gonna save him he's just gonna i think christopher nolan Christopher Nolan has the wherewithal to know uh, that, you know, like, why would he show him face down in the water before they leave the planet unless you're supposed to think he's dead, right? Um, 
Okay, so they get back to Rom. Rom is aged. He's waited there for 23 years all by himself. Really, really sad. That's not the saddest part to me. The saddest and most depressing part to me is knowing that Dr. Um, uh, Miller? Miller died a few minutes ago, probably on the wave that was leaving them. Right. Yeah. No. That's it's, it's, insane to me. It's why it's my favorite part of the movie. Just like the the craziness of like this woman's been gone ten years, but she just died. And they can't even find her body, right? Like that body could have been Miller's too, right? We don't know that that was Doyle's. I, I it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's, it's, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, it's so done. Um. So then, then they get back, and then that whole thing, and then like I like one of the most emotional parts of the movie is having like some odd amount of messages um, waiting for them from their loved ones, and the fact that Mac- Michael Caine is still alive is a goddamn miracle. Yeah. Well, I think he. I think we're supposed to think he's younger in the beginning of the movie. Okay. The yeah the. And that's when Jessica Chastain pops up. It's the first time we see her. But also, could you imagine, like, all the other people are like, hey, we might have videos, too. Like, can you get the... F- you don't need to watch all 23 years. Although, I guess Rom could have been watching his. And then it was just Anne Hathaway. Um, yeah, but I'm sure they had more than one TV screen on that on that ship. But but the point is, is that... Can you imagine having the joy of, of realizing your, your... First of all... You realize that your son is now in his 30s. Second of all, um, he's Casey Affleck. Disappointing. And then third of all, um, you have a a granddaughter, and then she died, and now you have a grandson, and he's still alive. And you're like, oh, my God. Do we know that the granddaughter died? I don't think we know right then. We do. Okay. It, it's it's implied heavily when he's like holy you see an empty bassinet and he's like and jesse and then he moves on to conversation and it's just like this whole thing where it's like you know okay yeah well, i didn't catch that so that sucks um maybe i caught it 10 years ago and forgot so then they have the discussion of deciding where to go next and because matthew mcconaughey knows about her being in love with Wolf. And she's like, well, you know, maybe that still is the right option. Maybe love. She gives this whole speech. She ends up, she was right, but they decide to go with Dr. Mann. Um, Let me ask you, that doesn't happen quite yet, right? Because from what I remember, we have Jessica Chastain on the on the video thing, and then it goes into her perspective with Michael Caine, and we follow that story for a bit. At that yeah, point, for a don't bit. we? Yeah, nothing important. Oh, we're, just, we're not even going to talk about it? Well, we'll talk about her story when, you know, it's it's like, there's a lot of, like, little bits, right? Like, she's working on that equation with him, and, like, later okay, on Okay, so you want to, like, out, memento this shit. Okay, go ahead. We'll, we'll get to it when we get to it. Um, they eat a lot of corn, you know, so she doesn't come around much, but, you know, when she does come, it's like corn souffle, corn on the cob. Um, they all have coughs, and Tom is a, uh, you know, don't believe the doctors, oh, we'll just fight through it kind of fucking idiot this is why he scored so low on his test why he scored so low that's exactly what i was thinking yep yeah um so they decide to go to man's um and 
the line from Anne Hathaway because she is pissed, right? And it, right. You know, she ends up she was right, but she also wouldn't have seen Wolf, no matter what. And I think she's probably discovers his fucking dead body, but she, or maybe that he had his own Tars that buried him. Probably that one. Um, but I, yeah, I think Wolf died before she would have gotten there. So like the fact they went to Mans didn't affect anything. Um, but her line of like, hey, if we do strike out on Mans, you're gonna have to choose between seeing your children again and the entire whom your human race and she's like i hope you will be just as objective then and it's like yeah holy holy shit which he is right later on he yeah, is that he is. objective he, he is he is very much similar not as no emotion but like chris evans's character in sunshine the right. we have to make the right decision for the human race so um yeah that that part is great. Uh, getting yep. back to uh, the Earth that is dying, um, we find out you know Michael Caine lied to Murph. There's no way to help. The equation's been bullshit. And then she's like, as Michael Caine is dying, did my father know? And he just won't answer. Like a he dick dies, to the dude. end. He, no, no, he could he, he could have answered. He started like saying some other bullshit. Just say no. You, you oh yeah, he started no to out. say the fucking poem. He started to say the poem. Yeah, what a dick. Yeah. Glad he died. <laughs> um, uh, I thought that was a great reveal. I mean, not to to us, but to the characters about how she records it, right? And then Tars is there to feed it to them, almost live. That you know, and then she's like, she's pissed off at Anne Hathaway because she thought she might know, and then she didn't know. But then the reveal to us is that Doctor Man knew, and that's when I was like. Is that the secret within his robot that he was keeping? But no, it was an explosion. So, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, that um, that was all crazy. And like the the music too. She's like, "Did you know that you left us here to starve and suffocate?" And it's like she like lays it on them because she's fucking pissed, as she yeah as she should be. Um, we get to man's planet. The frozen cloud is so cool, and so I didn't talk about this in the beginning, but. The like, the this whole movie is based off the theories of Doctor Kip Thorne, and he was like a consultant on the movie, and um, he had like two guidelines in doing this movie. The first is nothing would violate the established laws of physics, Um, and then the second was anything that is like a wild speculation in the movie would at the very least spring from science right so it had to be somewhat science-based which it had to be a a theory not necessarily proven but a theory as such right yeah it couldn't just be and so like i guess like at one point nolan wanted to have something travel faster than the speed of light and the doctor was like you can't fucking do that like (laughs) that can't happen Um, right but he he did he was quoted as saying that the most improbable thing in the entire movie is the clouds that are solid he's like that that's well, of not course possible. but it's really fucking cool when they fly through and it fucking crumbles yeah it is cool it is really cool um so i don't think we talked enough about how cool those robots are robots are uh the the case and the tars and the something beginning with a k for dr kip. man's kip kip um but the fact like um 
when Tars goes to rescue Anne Hathaway and he just kind of like becomes this like crawly thing with his arms out and he's just going I was like dude that's so awesome it was it's a very cool design for the and, robots and especially when you see all that they can do I'm jumping ahead a little bit but when you see fucking Tars pop out of that explosion and going fucking at it I was just like fuck yes who cares about Rom Tars is okay the world is good yeah, well, was that Tars or Case? Because I can't remember. I'm pretty sure it was Tars. But the fact... And right after that scene... Dude, Tars has his own arc and everything. Uh, right after that... It's not really an arc. But he does sacrifice himself, so that's something. But right after he just comes out of that explosion, just wheeling it, he's like, oh, we have to... You know, he's going to dock onto the base. And then Tars is like, well... Yeah, he could. If I didn't already uh, disable the autopilot. And then I was like, fuck, yes. <laughs> well, and I like uh, Matthew McConaughey is like, well, nice, Tars. What's your trust level? And he's like, lower than yours, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's great. Uh, it, yeah, no, he's fucking great in this. Um, we already talked about like how crazy Matt Damon like the shock was and like this time watching was like don't fucking open that don't let that asshole out like, just let him die in there <laughs> well also did he just kept re-pinging his signal just because he he wa- he wanted to did he want to desperately just see another human being's face or did he want to leave or both he wanted to be saved but he also yeah was tired of being alone i mean he says he's like i fought the urge to do it for so long um which is not true um but there's also a um, there's a cool little like comic that Christopher Nolan did. I don't know who did the art for it, but it doesn't explain a lot. But it does show like Matt Damon before being rescued, and he like has his robot Kip. He's like, "Hey, can you like show me what the data would look like if this was a good planet that we were looking for?" And Kip's like, "Why would you want that?" He's like, "I just want you know to see what we should be looking for." And he's like, "And so Kip does it." And then he sends that data off to NASA and or like and saves it from when they show up and then he fucking destroys Kip. Ah uh, gotcha. Yeah. Um makes sense. Yeah, so Damon this whole time is is acting sketchy. He's like he's like, Yeah, the the planet's very cold, but th- there is life, you know, down at the surface. Um Tars asks to fix the ro- fix the robot and he's like, No, I won't let him um you know they find out that plan a was was bullshit uh and then we get back to earth and fucking topher grace shows up as a love interest for jessica chastain right yes yeah that's Um, something that's something i i digested it and i moved on i do want to say since we are on earth and we're talking about jessica chastain just a little bit i want to say that the actress that they picked to play young murph oh my god what an amazing casting selection to make it believable that that's like young jessica chastain yeah also she's a good actress like she did a great also job she's a good actress too. exactly it's amazing it's great bravo uh this one for visual effects right and i couldn't help think that maybe they did something 
you know how like a Joseph Gordon-Levitt to like Bruce Willis like make that believable? I couldn't help if they to think that they did something in the mouth area to that little girl to make her look more like a young Jessica Chastain. Maybe not. Maybe they got really. I don't lucky. think I've seen that girl in other stuff. She looks pretty similar. She was in the Twilight okay. movies, so. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, back on Dr. Man's planet, uh, basically, uh, Matthew McConaughey is going to help them set up this planet, and then he is going to take off back home. And I don't understand how they have so much trust in Dr. Man, because, cause like, Tars is right. He's like, I had way less trust than you, because it's like, hey, um, don't fix my robot. Come with me. You and you alone come with me. You guys stay here. It's so sketchy. And I'm sure, like, if they look back on it, they're like, why did we ever fucking trust that guy? It'd be interesting if you hadn't have seen it coming, though. Because I was, you know, I was trying to look at it pretty even-headed this time. And I was like, there are signs, but I don't but, know. But it's movie trope signs, right? It's the way that the film cuts back and forth to him and, and like stuff like that if you're sitting there in real time just watching and taking in the whole thing as like a a one person perspective maybe you don't you know well also because you have the information from Anne Hathaway she's like he is the best of us he is the one who like led all these people he believes in this mission the most so when you come from that perspective it's going to take a lot to shake that out of you that's true that's true um but when him and uh, when Damon and McConaughey are like off by themselves and he's like, you know, our survival instinct is our greatest source of infra- inspiration. I was like, oh, fuck, man, really? Um, and then he takes <laughs> the villain is out. the villain is uh, monologuing again. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. He says a lot of stuff too. And the, the, so after, you know, they're fighting a little bit and then he like smashes his head. He's like, oh, you know, are you seeing your kids? You know, you'll see your kids before you die. The the most fucked up thing is like, he's like, oh, I wanted to stay with you and watch, but I can't do it. And I was like, what? <laughs> what do you mean? Like, as a nice thing? I don't understand. I, he, he meant it as a nice thing. He's like, I don't want you to be there alone to your very end. Like, you should have someone. Because he... He does all this, right? He might have been the best of us before he was alone for like 10 years, but then he was alone and it kind of broke him, right? So he understands the horribleness of being alone. So he was like, oh, I wanted to be there with you in your last moments, but I I can't because he's a coward, obviously. So I took it that way. Um, But then again, the robots and Anne Hathaway being fucking awesome, he gets to the transmitter and he's like, you know i'm running out of oxygen help me and it was like come on yeah i'm on it like they know they're like yeah i'm already i I know where he is on this giant planet let's go and they're like they zoop zoop over there to to save his ass and uh, i love the way like anne hathaway just pulls his helmet off and he's like holy shit and then he she puts on the like breathing apparatus um and then he has to communicate to her like dr man's an evil piece of shit um and this is about the same time rom and and tars blow up um and man steals their one and only ship um the way that they dock after um uh, mad damon blows himself to all hell uh is one of the coolest fucking parts of the movie 
yeah, the way he starts spinning and then they're lining up and then the perspective of once they're both spinning it the same way, they show the perspective of the thing locking on and it just looks normal and you're like, oh man. It looks normal until they show like in the grand scheme of things like the, the stars and space moving so fast yes. around them. But they're still, fuck, that was the coolest visual to me. I, um, I, the line too from, uh, from Anne Hathaway, he'd maroon us. And Matthew kind of like, he is marooning us like right now. <laughs> it is happening. <laughs> right. Yeah, the scene is so tense. Like, you know, you know, it's going to end okay. Right. But like, as you're watching, like, holy fuck, like this is happening. And then the, when he well, tries to dock and, and they're <sighs> warning him too, they're like, don't do it. And like, Dr. Mann is hearing it is like, don't do it because you want you're lying to me right because everyone's a liar because i'm a liar right and then he but it's been 10 years since the technology so he doesn't know how to properly dock it and yada 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 at at first i was like so what so what he docks it and so what like fucking blow it up and kill himself i don't care and then i was like oh fuck the eggs are on that ship he's about to ruin plan a and plan b in one fell swoop you know while all this is happening, uh, back on Earth, Murph like burns some of the crops because you know she wants to get the Tom's wife and kid out because they're about to die from bad lungs, and Tom won't let them because of his not trusting of the science. And uh, right. but this just turns into her going back into her old room and like figuring out that her dad is the one who did all this, even though we don't know that yet. And like she's also in that room for like. What feels like 30 minutes of movie time as like a bunch of stuff happens on our end, right? Yeah. Like yeah. she goes into that room and then he like they make the whole plan to like use the black hole to go to Wolf. And, uh, you know, Anne Hathaway's like, oh, we're going to Wolf's instead of going back home. He's like, yeah, this is what we have to do. We have to save, you know, the world. And they don't have enough fuel to do anything because of what man did. But they're going to use like the... The, the launch like the rover they're, they're basically gonna... slingshotting themselves using the force of the black hole to to get to where they need to go they come up with the plans that they have to like uh drop tars to like be light enough to do it and then uh, a great line is he's a robot he has to do what i say yeah she's like you can't ask him to do that he's like well because he's a robot i don't have to ask him like for anything right and you know Tars is like completely cool with it because he's like, I am a robot. Like, I'm not going to get hurt. You know what I mean? It's like my, I'll just get turned <laughs> off. Um, yeah, because they don't tell her that. And then they also don't tell that he's going to get shot too. Because he also, he's like, you know, he doesn't want to watch Anne Hathaway bang Wolf on this planet and him just be a third wheel, right? Like, what's he going to do? He's like, you know, I'll, uh, just, technically, I'll go through I mean, the black hole. That's true. Um, that was great. And then the his line of being like you know whenever we have to whenever uh humanity has to discover something we always have to leave something behind um and then his his and then his traveling through the black hole and like you said the decision to dock the decision to be slingshotted the decision to be left behind all takes place in the minute that jessica chastain is just fucking fill you know going through her shit in her room um well except you know because it's it's all movie time right but that whole black hole thing took 51 years of jessica chastain's life 
but she had already figured all this out in the room in her time too. You know what I mean? Like all oh, that I see stuff what you're in the saying. room. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, because they were in the black hole for 51 years is what he said. It's like a throwaway line that he's just like, yeah, this is going to take 51 years for us to do this. The other line, too, that's great in this, and she's like, you said there's enough resources for both of us before he, like, you know, he ejects himself into the black hole, and he's like, 90%, remember? You know, yeah. which is the line from earlier. It's, it's so, like, 90% so truth. Him traveling through the black hole... That's the part that really, really reminded me of 2001: A Space Odyssey, and you'll you'll see why. Um, but that is so cool, and apparently everything is just super grounded in this like realistic, like no. I believe we actually like science, right? Like uh, we as humanity actually got an accurate photo of a black hole recently after this movie was made. Um, yeah, and I was. I think I, I saw this video a while back and I think it was probably Kip Thorne who was doing it because he was like, you know, um, when they had the picture of the black hole, they were like, oh, that doesn't really look like the one from Interstellar. You got it wrong, you know, and he's like, well, no. And then he kind of rotates the Interstellar one and it looks exactly like the picture we got. Um, some cool things I read about the design of that. For each fr- for the frames of the black hole, each frame took a hundred hours. <laughs> I believe which it. is just nuts. A hundred yeah, hours. It's a hundred hours, but it's not just one person working on it, right? It's like, yeah, no, I yeah, obviously. No, but what um, I'm saying is that it's not like what twenty four frames fills a second. It's not like it took twenty four hundred hours. It was like a team, every frame working simultaneously. I mean, yes, 100 hours is still a very long time. I agree with you. No, no, yeah. I mean, I, I get your point. I'm just saying, like, the amount of work that went into that and how great it looks is obviously, you know, makes Amazing. sense. Right? Yes. And him talking about what he's seeing, two TARS, and they're, like, um, having this, like, back and forth up to the point where he ends up behind the bookshelves. That's also great. Like, he's like, I, it's so black. And he's like, I see a light. And I was like, that's the singularity, my man. The, uh, what's funny is the books on the bookshelf were all the books Christopher Nolan like studied to learn about how to like about black holes and space and to do this movie or like a, a huge chunk of them were. That's cool. Um, it's just funny like how how much like the, you know how much detail they they went in to try and make this um, you know as accurate as possible. It obviously takes liberties. The whole tesseract. 5d to 3d thing is like movie making MacGuffin type bullshit but it it like it is based in like a scientific possibility and like i don't know i just enjoyed it right like obviously christopher nolan's use of time in movies isn't like doesn't end with this Um, right it is like if you can't take that leap and like enjoy that part of it then this movie is going to fall short for you but I I can, and also the rest of it I think is so great that like, and the way it ties into the beginning, I, you know, the two problems that you brought up, like the um, the how does Jessica Chastain realize that it's her father, and then like the one earlier we brought up, like those are still kind of issues. I think they could have been easily corrected, but like, you know, whatever. Who cares, honestly? And and I mean, we've talked about this scene throughout this whole uh, discussion, um, but. 
the visuals of the interior of the Tesseract, especially as it's closing up on him, was amazing. I was thinking, I was like, okay, is he going to die? I honestly didn't know how this movie ended. The last thing I, you know, the only thing I, I knew about this movie um, that got spoiled for me is that he's the ghost and he's behind the bookshelves, right? Um, because of the meme, because he's like, no, no, behind the, the shelves. Um, right. But then when the Tesseract was closing, I was like, oh, so he's just dead and this is the end of the movie and they're probably going to show that human- humanity survived. I was shook when he woke up in like a hospital bed shook uh well yeah i I do want to get to that part because the way he travels back through the hole he shakes um anne hathaway's hand like all that is really yeah it's just like i didn't remember how the movie ended after the tesseract part like i had no i knew that he lived but i didn't remember because i knew he saw her in the hospital but i didn't remember how right Mm-hmm. Um, as it happened, and then when I saw it, I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, I remember this. I didn't remember the Anne Hathaway ending, which is also just, like, perfect. Um, but the, there's a couple things. One, like, you know, so she figures out the clock thing, right? She looks at the clock, sees the seconds acting up, and she's like, dad did this, which is, you know, mm-hmm. whatever we've already discussed. But she right. goes downstairs. Actually, no, you're wrong. It. She, she, sorry, this is, this is the thing, and this is why I was pissed. It would have been more believable if she looked at the watch and was like, oh, my father did this, right? Because it's the, who gave her the watch? Her The father, yeah, right? Yeah, I understand. Right? The fact that she figured it out just by, like, looking at the bookshelves more intensely one time, that, that was the part that I was pissed off about. No, no, no. She figured out the ghost was her dad from that part. But then she looks at the watch and sees the seconds and is like, oh, this code means – this code is going right, to right, save right. the world, right? That's also – you know, whatever, a stretch at least. But then she runs downstairs. Tom shows up, is pissed. Fucking Topher Grace pulls out a tire iron. Like he could do <laughs> anything to this farm boy besides right. die. Um, although he didn't have a mark on his face. So maybe Tom punches like a bitch. But she comes down there and is like, Dad is going to save us and shows him the watch. And then they hug. And I was like, I don't know. I think Tom's going to need a little more convincing than that. Um, I I was I, I was just thinking there's gonna be a fight, and I was like, what a weird tonal shift if there is a fight, right? Um, but you gotta kind of like this. It, it's very obvious, and us talking about it, it's even more obvious how much we care a little about what's happening on Earth because we're always like, um, so back to Earth. Uh, there's Topher, and now back in space where all the cool shit's actually happening. Um, <laughs> right. So, you know, it doesn't really matter until Matthew McConaughey wakes back up. Uh, well, and, and fact- I, you could have sp- spent more time showing her, like, why she figured it out. You could have spent another two minutes. But, yeah, in the end, like, it is easily explainable. But do we care? It is easily explainable. Like, she could have spent a couple more minutes explaining to Tom, like, the watch and Morse code and all that. And he would be like, my brain doesn't understand that. That's not corn. I'm just but, a farmer. Like- we don't need that. So yeah. Right. He's like I didn't do I didn't do well in school. Um <laughs> but yeah, we don't we don't care about it. So we just buy it and we move on. Um so yeah, he goes back through the wormhole, touches Bran's hand, which we've mentioned maybe 7 times at this point. It's still mm-hmm. cool. It's a cool moment. And he's just floating in space and I didn't remember this part. He's just floating there. He's going to die and like a ship, a scout ship finds him, right? And I I love the line they're like 
Uh, take your time getting up. You are 124 years old. That's good. My other favorite line is, uh, welcome to the Cooper Space Station. And he goes, oh, shucks, guys. You didn't have to name it after me. And they laugh at him. They're like, we didn't. Yeah. Which, uh, that's the moment you learn that, okay, I guess that's his last name. Like, we don't know his first name. Oh, I knew it was his last name the whole time. You're just an idiot. What's his first name? Chuck. <laughs> Chuck Cooper. Chuck Old Cooper. CC. They would have called him CC at some point if he was Chuck Cooper. Uh, I don't know his first name, but I, it doesn't matter. Um, so then we uh, we learn that he's on the station that I guess Michael Caine created, but Jessica Chastain, with the help of him, got it off the ground, right? Well, there's multiple of these. They built a ton of them, apparently, because she's on a different one, right? So oh, I didn't understand that. So she cryo-freezed and sent herself over. Yeah, I guess they've created a ton of these, and I think they're going to slowly figure out a way to get everyone to Anne Hathaway's planet is the overarching plan. That was my understanding, and for some reason he just stole a fucking ship to do it himself first, I guess. He was like, I, yeah, I, don't, I haven't like, been laid like, in a hundred years. I got to get my bone on, you know? That part doesn't make sense because she's like, go see her. Yeah. And she is the person who saved everyone's life. So she could be like, hey, give my dad a ship. But no, no, he had to steal it. <laughs> he, had to, he had to be a badass. Um, so it's sad. sexier that way when he gets to Anne Hathaway's <laughs> planet. He's like, hey, baby. <laughs> I stole a ship for you. Um... Did he pack it with snacks? Because she's run out of food, right? (laughs) Jesus. Um, When he sees Murph and she's like 89, that's so sad for me because it's just like, how do you you deal with that? Like the last time you saw her in person, she was 10. And then you promised her that you would be there with her when she is your age and you're not. You're like, you, you just missed that mark by a couple decades, you know? Maybe it would have made it a little more like, well, I guess she didn't spend any time in that room, but if you just showed him like in the test rack being like, oh, I saw this and I saw this and I saw Topher try and <laughs> cup yeah. a feel and like, yeah. I'm going to kick And in high ass. school, I saw you brought that boy home and I'm not happy about what I saw after that. <laughs> yeah. I had to turn um, away. I had to put the books back up. It's <laughs> just, um, so, oh boy. Uh, so then, oh, uh, also another thing, and this is this part. I was just like, what? He he goes into the hospital room and it's she's surrounded by like 20 people that is her family, which I only assume is his like great, great grandchildren and his great, 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 great grandchildren and maybe some of like Tom's kids too, like their heirs. And I'm like, they all just kind of look at him like, who the fuck are you, old weirdo? And they leave and then they give them, I was like, it would be so cool. This is what I wanted: is them to be like, "Holy fuck, you're my great, great, great granddad! This is the coolest fucking moment." But no, we didn't get that. Well, because the focus was on their him and her, and she does say after this, she's like, "You know, I have my family here. You go," which is like, "Yeah, they lost all this time." But one thing we do get from all those people in that hospital room is that after Murph saved the world, she fucked a lot <laughs> with Topher. With Topher. And probably others, right? She could get it from anybody. She saved <laughs> oh, the world. Super popular. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
and then he's just kind of like back at his old like they built like it's like they built the farm and the view is crazy like i don't even understand it's like a circular ship but like there's no grav there is gravity but it goes all around it's cool it's i don't know if it makes sense but it's cool well and and we see all that before he goes to see uh murph but she, they're like yeah murph said how much you love farming and when he gets through he's like you told them i like farming and she just laughed it's like this joke she had for prepared for her, yeah exactly <laughs> um yeah so and that was cool too because she she knew that like she had that joke prepared for 50 years because she knew he would eventually come back yeah and so we already have this happy ending and i was like i don't I don't like are we gonna even address we don't address Tom, right? Which is a little weird, but obviously he's probably died. But I was like, are we even gonna address Anne Hathaway and then just showing her standing in front of Wolf's uh, you know, like where he died, like his little tombstone, and then she takes the helmet off and you're like, Oh my god, this is like the fucking future is like this planet, like we found it and just like not feeling the need to show us landing there, just letting us know, like, this is where it's going to happen. And, like, yeah. over there is where they're going to have sex when he gets there. Like, just... Right, right, right. It's, it's just a perfect ending to the movie. And, like, it's a maybe a little too hopeful for some people, but I, I loved the ending of it. No, no, no. I thought it was just the right amount of hopeful. Because it's still sad as shit that, like... Yes. He, he, his daughter is like 89 and he knows no one. Like that's the tra- tragedy part of it. But everything else I felt like deserves to be hopeful. Um, well, well, the one thing though, the, the, the other thing, yes, it's a tragedy, but if he hadn't have left, Murph would have never had that family, right? Her life would have ended on earth and like, you know, everyone's would have. Right. So it's like he, it's almost like a dad who just works too much, but he, you know, provides for his family, right? Like, he left the family to give her a life. And, like, you know, like, it's it's sad, but he did the right thing. Yeah. No, no, no. Uh, from from your perspective on when you first watched this to, to now, what's your, like, biggest takeaway? It's one of the... One of the greatest movies ever made, honestly. It's like so. So I know uh, Michael might come back on, and we might do Inception, and you know I think we've talked about about doing Memento, and like maybe there's some others that you haven't seen. Um, but this is like this is one of my favorites now, like one of my tops. Like I love the Prestige. Um, Inception is great, but I like this is this is better to me. This is like top. It might be the top one. Um, this and like the prestige are like my top two. Um, there was a poll on Twitter a few weeks ago and it was like, what is the best Christopher Nolan movie ever? And it had like something like a crazy amount of retweets and, and comments on it. But just about every single one I, I read was those two and interstellar was number one. Well, it's, I didn't realize people felt the same way as me. Um, the only <laughs> thing now is I have to see this again on a big screen. Like my, my, you know, my goal isn't as altruistic as Matthew McConaughey's wanting to save the world. Mine is more like I just want to watch him do it on right, a, right, right, on the biggest screen I can find. So I, you know, I I have my um, reserves about Inception, but I did not realize this movie was gonna like move me emotionally as I I thought it was, and I was kind of pissed at the end. Uh, how fucking good it was it's like damn it i can't even complain i'm just like happy and and sad and and all the emotions um and i love how it's like grounded in this like really cool scientific reality 
And honestly, the most unrealistic part of this whole thing was the believability that Timothy Chalamet grew up to look like Casey Affleck. Yeah, Timothy Chalamet grew up to be this manly farmer. Is uh, yeah, it's a leap. Well, thanks for listening to another episode of I Finally Watched. This is David, and this is Alon, and I finally watched Interstellar.